Hello, hello, and welcome to the Station Tapes on 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and on this podcast, I share intimate interviews with some of the best musicians in the world. In my role at Rokudope, I interview each artist as we prepare for the release of their latest record. I want to get the backstory, a sense of their intent, their motivation around the new release. I found that given the opportunity in a relaxed setting, they feel free to open up about musicianship, life, and the challenges of being a professional musician. Tonight on the show, Sasha Masakowski. Sasha is an enigma, born and raised in New Orleans and the daughter of a celebrated jazz guitarist. Sasha is every bit at home in New York City and equally comfortable with the quirks and changes of our modern world as she is with the history of jazz. We spoke about her album, Art Market, which views and celebrates New Orleans through her lens, playful at times, worldly, with a full juxtaposition of genres. Let's take a listen. So we are here talking with Sasha Masakowski. Sasha, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm here at the Rope-A-Dope Room and enjoying the old train station and a nice spring day. And I understand that you are in New Orleans. That's right. I just got here yesterday. I drove my car from New York all the way to New Orleans. Wow. In two days. Um, yeah. And the weather changed so drastically once I hit Alabama. It was insane. Um, but it's beautiful. Good, good. So you're down there for Jazz Fest? Yes, that's right. Jazz Fest, French Quarter Fest, and Bayou Boogaloo are all happening uh, in the next month. So I'm here to kind of catch all of them and play a ton of shows and, and promote the new record. So so you're you're from New Orleans, correct? Yes. And is there is there anything that you want to say about, you know, the part of New Orleans or what, what that you are from and what, what uh what that means to you, what it's like to be from New Orleans? Sure. Um, I mean, I think the the biggest part um, of my childhood is the fact that I grew up with two parents that are both um, musicians. My dad is a really well-known jazz guitar player, Steve Mazikowski, from the legendary sort of post-funk uh, jazz band, um, progressive jazz band, Astral Project. And my mother is a wonderful concert pianist and also a visual artist. And so I kind of was raised in this like really colorful family dynamic. And my little brother is also a really great bass player. So there was a lot of music in the house growing up. And, um, and you know, growing up in New Orleans, you just, you're exposed to so much like cultural vibrance everywhere in the city from the music to like the parades and Mardi Gras and second lines and like going, the way we celebrate life is just, it's so, um, it's so rich. People here live life like to the fullest. And I mean, and even the way we celebrate death with jazz funerals. And I remember going to, to uh, Will Turbington and then Earl Turbington's uh, funeral when I was maybe 12 years old and, and the second line parades and and I remember Cassandra Wilson was sitting right in front of me and I just loved her voice and her music and I was and it was just this really surreal experience where everyone's just celebrating life and death with music and culture. So, so I'm, curious, 
I'm sure you were at at you know parades and second lines maybe maybe prior to that, right? But is that the one yeah. where twelve where it just kind of hit and you were like, this this is, I can do this. Kind of. I mean, I I don't. I think I I didn't really realize how special New Orleans was until I like left until I started getting out of New Orleans and then realizing the rest of the the world, especially the rest of the U.S., is like nothing like that. Like we really have our own heritage and our own culture and our own music and it's it's um it's so well ingrained in the city and in the the tradition of the city and that's not something that you find in a lot of other places um in the u.s at least so i agree uh i'm I, you know as you say it i'm aware and I, and I and i do have to say that philadelphia um and the place where we are in South Jersey, it's it's not nearly as colorful, it's not nearly as rich, but it but it but it is, you know, it has a specific feel to it, you know, and I think a lot of that is lost in the rest in many parts of the country. Right? Yeah. It must be uh, it's humorous to me and interesting to me that that you can grow up in that and not know that it's not different, that it's not like that in other places. And right. then, back at it that's that's just amazing we have an interesting tie-in uh you know new orleans is very important in in the history of uh rope it up not just because of uh you know the, the the musical heritage but just specifically with the sister gertrude morgan record the king brit presents sister gertrude morgan uh our efforts to help new orleans uh with the renew orleans t-shirt campaign um after uh after the levees broke um it's been a very interesting almost like cosmic sort of connection and and uh it almost feels like you know we we live or die as new orleans lives or dies so uh, yeah. uh do you think that and it's just a little side question here uh, while we're talking about new orleans do you think that that the that the show treme as presented to the rest of the the country represents new orleans somewhat accurately um, you know, I haven't seen it all the way through, <laughs> totally honest, but I, I think so. I mean, the few episodes that I've seen here and there, it, it does feel accurate. I mean, I think in some ways it's like, it was almost too accurate because it seemed like once that show kind of popped off, then it almost felt like all the best kept secrets about New Orleans were just like exposed to mm -hmm. the world and then all of a sudden these little dive bars where you would just go and hang out and see your favorite musicians were like just swamped <laughs> with like tourists and their cameras and you know it was like whoa this is crazy so i guess in a way it did really good things for tourism and and for you know exposing the city for for being what it is which is this really interesting uh place but um, but, you know, I think there's also the other effects of it also with gentrification and now, and especially Treme, I mean, the Treme is now, it's like you can't, you can't even think about buying real estate in the Treme unless you have millions of dollars to spend. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been down for a long time, so that, that's, that's interesting to me. But I mean, I guess, you know, the, the way I look at it is, you know, New Orleans is still there because there was a moment when they just said, well, you know, we, we probably shouldn't do this, you know, mm -hmm. we probably shouldn't have this place and build here. They were, they were pushing pretty hard to, right. uh, to not support 
New Orleans. So right, yeah. I'll be pleased that some at least it's you know still still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about. I mean, I mean, I'm going to assume that because of your background, that it, you know your music and and uh, New Orleans are inseparable in a certain way. But I also hear uh, you know some some uh, a lot of other influences. Sure. Uh, so let's talk about the the album uh, Art Market. Now I I want to clarify. Do you do you call the band Art Market as well? Or yeah, these days yes, I am calling the band Art Market. Um, yeah, just for, you know, cause I have, I have a few different projects, um, and, you know, just for clarity and so people know what they're, <laughs> what they're going to get. I'm calling the band art market as well. So do, do you have a specific reason for that term? For art market? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, okay. So, um, first of all, art markets are, are a big part of what I love about New Orleans or like kind of any, any city. I love going to art markets or, or, or little craft fairs and things like that. And I think it's so cool when you're walking around and you have like street vendors that are presenting, they kind of build these entire little universes, right? No matter what they're selling, whether it's like handcrafted soaps or, or jewelry or like really killer, like, you know, like almond milk lattes or whatever it is, you know, like, and I think that, um, I think, uh, I think it just clicked at one point when I was in an art market in New Orleans and I was walking around and I was like, wow, this feels like this album that I've been making where each song feels completely different, but it's like, it's each song is its own, um, its own little universe really. And and it's very very crafted, very delicately, and re- every everything that's in there in each song is just like is there with intention. You know, it's something that I thought about, and I tried different things, and I said, oh no, this is really the part that works with this track. And um, you know, and they and they are very different sounding songs. I think I wanted um, I just wanted people to hear kind of where I am right now in, in, uh, in my musical development and my tastes for music and my inspirations. And, um, obviously my sound changed a lot when I moved to New York, I moved to Brooklyn three years ago. Mm-hmm. And of course that had like a huge influence on, on my development as an artist, which is why I left New Orleans actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of my New York, influences in the record as well but it's inherently kind of a an ode to new orleans when i think about what art market is it's really like it's kind of my way of thanking new orleans for giving me <laughs> so much life and and freedom to create music that doesn't have to sound like any one specific thing yeah beautiful, beautiful. well said uh you start off the album with uh a track called i i think we've t- you've titled it giacomo which yeah. do you want to talk about that a little bit in the art yeah. of that song? Sure. So um, Giacomo is, uh, is, is basically the original name for um, the Aiko uh, Aiko, which was written by Sugar Boy Crawford, actually. Um, and he called it Giacomo. And this was in the was it 50s, I think, maybe 53. Um, and he, uh, you know, he was, 
um, he didn't, it, the song didn't hit until years later when the Dixie Cups recorded it and called it Ico Ico, which is the version that we all know and we hear all over the place. But uh, there was this big kind of legal battle and um, they ended up splitting the publishing for it. But, um, but I, I, you know, I'm really good friends with uh, James Crawford's grandson, who is one of also my musical heroes, Devel Crawford. He's an incredible pianist and uh, uh, soul gospel jazz singer, pianist, producer. He's absolutely so profound and I admire him so much. And um, I don't know, I, I just wanted to kind of honor the song by calling it its original title and really kind of honor Sugar Boy Crawford because I don't think he got enough attention for that song and it's such a brilliant track. So, um, so I called it Giacomo, but uh, but I'm also calling it Candy because I changed all the lyrics <laughs> and made it about uh, candy. <laughs> <laughs> Quote candy. There were air quotes on that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's very fascinating to me, and I think it obviously it's one of the things that 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 I you know I noticed right away, and I think people will will notice right away, and and that is you know you have a recognizable uh, uh, track uh, and then you realize that it's that it's been changed and and it's and it's got its own it's it's old but it's got this whole new uh uh feel and style to it so i first heard i go i go i go from the grateful dead by the way not not from oh, so okay. right you okay. would play that almost at, at every show just about um oh. I, I think just reflecting on that for a second i think the grateful dead introduced a lot of people to a lot of music because they took some very strange selection of of uh of uh, classic songs like this and Marty Robbins or whatever. And, and then I don't think they, they, they uh, packaged them up as nicely as you have on this album, but they did play them and they did introduce people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there are some other fun things uh, in the, as I'm looking through these, these uh, tracks, but um, I'm going to let you pick uh, uh, another track that you'd like to, to talk about. Is there another one on the album that you want to? Oh my God, there's so many. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, let's see. I really think, I guess we could talk about Juicy Booty Song because I love that song. Um, I didn't know what to call it either, but, I, but I, I started calling it Juicy Booty Song just as a working title and then it just kind of stuck and I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, you can't let that go. Yeah. yeah, and I thought it'd be really funny to hear like radio announcers like, and next is Sasha Mazakowski's Juicy Booty song. <laughs> 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 I just imagined that in my head. So, anyway, slightly Booty. embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that song. Uh, that song came out of me listening. I was listening to a lot of Michelle and Diego Cello. Mm -hmm. I think she's like one of my heroes, and. Um, and I think she, as a producer, I think she's just so brilliant and a songwriter and a bass player and everything she does. But, um, but that song started as something completely different when I went in the studio. Uh, it was just kind of this, this other song that I had written and we kind of played it live and, and then took it, you know, did a few takes of it. And then I, and then I basically took it home and then like, totally chopped it up and I was working with a great engineer uh, 
friend of mine named Jay Wesley, who lives down in New Orleans. He runs a studio called Studio in the Country. And he, um, he was really great to work with because I would say like, look, I have this crazy idea. I want to completely, you know, take out all the drums here and then add electronic drums. And then I wanted to, to mesh it up in the end. And I want to do any, any like wild idea that most engineers would cringe at. He was like, okay, we can, we can do that. And then I would just, we would work together. And I learned so much about mixing and editing, just working super closely with Jay. And that song just, um, I basically uh, produced the whole, um, the whole beginning of it. And then, and then we added the, the live band in later on. And I really think it came out uh, really nicely. And then I asked Cliff Hines, who's a very good friend of mine, guitar player, um, to, you know, to take a guitar solo at the end of it and, and add some guitar. And I think it really made that track. So yeah, so that one feels really good right now. It's yeah. fun. Actually, that's my mom's favorite song, which is funny. <laughs> uh, for, for the song, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love Juicy Booty songs, Sasha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are definitely going to have some fun bringing that out and uh, putting some hashtags on that <laughs> and all that. Uh, yeah. You know, see and see and see what happens. Um, I, the scary monster song is so it's right, it's the next track on there. But I want to ask you real quick about that because I, I, how did how did it occur to you to write a song? You say uh, it's for the kids, but how did it occur to you to speak to the monsters and not not to the kids, right? So like most people would write a song about that. If you're thinking about that, it'd be like monsters under the bed and you're, you're trying to calm the child, but, but you're talking to the monsters. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, I don't know. I just thought it'd be more, more interesting to talk to the monsters directly and, and, and <clears throat> just kind of try to communicate with them and be like, look, y'all just need to chill and like, you know, and you're scaring the kids. Yeah, you're scaring the kids. Like, what are you doing? Like, just be cool and, like, y'all could be friends, you know? Like, the monster, all he wants to do is, like, talk about, like, why your math teacher sucks so much or, like, you know, that girl's really cute but you're too scared to ask her out and, like, come on, dude, just do it. But all he knows how to do is, like, scare the shit out of the kids because he's a monster. So this is me talking to the monster to try and, and just – and you know, level with him, and he's just like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll try it again. Right. And then every night he tries to be cool, but then he just scares them. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot there. Uh, you know, I, 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 I chose that because I think it speaks to your perspective, and 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 you know, like anything um, in in these kinds, in in this sense, there there's there's a lesson in there for how to how to be and how to change. So we, <laughs> yeah. could we could we could extrapolate on that. Um, is there another track you want to talk about, or do you want to uh, move on and talk a little bit about the personnel on record? Sure. I, I think um, just briefly touching on uh, maybe entropy because that's a song that um, was written by my father, and being like a this kind of homage to New Orleans, I wanted to also just. Um, take a couple of his uh, songs that I really loved. And Entropy was a song that he recorded with the Ashle Project and I wrote lyrics to it. And uh, this great drummer named Simon Lott mm -hmm. came in the studio and played drums and, and tambourine. And I think it has this really cool, 
kind of almost funky New Orleans feel. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of, it's, it's a nice song. And, and, you know, I want the world to know that like my father is like my, you know, he's like my number one uh, ride or die. Like, <laughs> you know, like he's, he's it for me. I mean, he was the, my biggest influence in music and probably always will be. And he's a great composer. I mean, people know him as a great guitar player like in a great technical master, but I think he's also a genius songwriter. So I wanted to showcase that. Nice, nice. Um, you know, one, one of the questions I do have is what, now that we've kind of gone in first to some of the tracks, um, zoom out just for a second. I mean, you talked a little bit about the inspiration for the name Art Market, yeah. but what is your concept of you know the the the. I guess the question I want to ask: You know, have have we have we talked enough, or have you expressed what you want to express about what this album means, uh, and and what you want to say to people who might be listening to it? About what art market is? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and, and um, you know, I decided. Uh, okay, let's see, how do I put this into words? You know, I, I feel like this is a record, um, uh, this is kind of, I, I wanna like show the world that like it's okay to, to be just yourself. I think the most important thing you can do in music is just put your personality through everything you do and like, and be a really interesting person and try to like, you know, just be as creative as you can and and find creativity in all aspects of life. And maybe that's something that New Orleans teaches you is like anything that comes your way, any hurdles or any, you know, good things and bad things and anything in between, it's like you're using it all as like to inform your your creative brain, you know, and you use everything as, as inspiration. And so, um, this record, uh, I think, just just showcases that. I think it's like all these different uh, worlds um, that I've grown up in, and it kind of combined everything, and and said like, here, this is this is for the world. This is for all my fans. Whether you know me as a jazz singer doing traditional New Orleans music, or whether you know me from Hildegard singing like, you know, electronic like uh, prog rock music or something like this is kind of where I'm at right now and, and it's okay to express all these different elements um, and these influences, you know? And I think also like to me, it's definitely, I, I think it's a jazz record. And, you know, I, um, when I was in college, I was studying jazz music and at the University of New Orleans and, uh, I think I was like the only singer and maybe even the only female in the whole department for like a year or two. And, um, and I found it really hard to find, you know, people were like, Oh, you have to listen to Sarah Vaughn and Ella Fitzgerald and this and Betty Carter. And, and I just would listen to all this straight ahead jazz and think like, Oh my gosh, I don't think this is really me. And I don't know if I'll ever sound like this. And then I went to a conservatory in Europe where it was like, you have to, if you want to be a jazz singer, like you have to sound like 
you know, Chet Baker and, and whoever, Tierney Sutton, all these like people. And I, I kept searching and searching and thinking like, I don't know if I'm really going to connect to this because this doesn't totally feel like me. And meanwhile, I was starting to listen to other bands like, you know, The Knife or Deerhoof and, 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 uh, and get inspired by these other styles of music. And um, so, I don't know, I just wanted to make a jazz record that was like, you don't have to sound like any one person or thing. And, and I think creating and writing and, and finding your own voice is, is like, is so deep and, uh, and the best way to show the world like who you are. So this is my record to to anyone to any vocal jazz majors out there who are like I don't know <laughs> I don't know what it sound like like just sound like yourself and it's fine you can combine all your influences does that make sense It makes great sense and it reminds me there's there's a quote uh, from Christian Scott uh, Tunde Ajwa interview mm-hmm. and he says uh, there's a theory out there that the greatest jazz has already been made so everyone is looking backwards following and repeating mm-hmm. rates and that doesn't speak to um, that's his quote <laughs> and now I, i'm you know what what i think he's trying to say is that doesn't speak to the to the ongoing creativity and and the, the heart of jazz which is to to create new things so what, what he's trying to do and it feels like what uh, what you're saying and trying to do is is uh move it forward and make and you know make some new and exciting things that express you yeah like i'm yeah you want to be innovative you want to be an innovator you know it's like that's yeah you want to propel things forward and and put your own identity into it i think that's why i think that's why jazz is you know kind of seeing a resurgence i think certain people would say it's it's not jazz it's actually having a resurgence but i i think so uh I, i think it's wide open when people ask us if we're a jazz label or what genre should I put it in? I always say jazz, and 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 while there are certain people who have a specific definition of what jazz is, uh, for me there aren't a lot of other genres that allow for the kind of flexibility in style. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to call it that, you know. So I, I mean, I, I'm I'm for change and advance under the actual name jazz, you know, despite despite its origins. Uh, I think it represents now that expansion of creativity and 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 and, and all are welcome you know so it's a big umbrella I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah. so and uh, you know and my father always says too like jazz is not a noun it's a verb it's like mm. a way of doing things it's a way of communicating it's a way of of treating life you know it's it's being in the moment it's improvising it's it's like constantly growing and evolving and yeah Amen. Amen. Um, so th- this is wonderful. It's th- thank you so much for taking the time to share this uh, information about the record. I'm really excited for people to hear this, as I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we will. Uh, I'm, I'm looking quickly. I believe we're at uh, June eighth, yes. 2018. Will be the release date of uh, Art Market. And um, let's run down the names real quick to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, and I just lost my place. Here we go. Um, so I've been pronouncing your name wrong. I've been saying Masakowski, which I'm sure you're not uh, uh, unfamiliar with. It's Masakowski. 
Yes. Oh, I mean, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Mazakowski, Mazakowski, Mazakowski. And help me, uh, the piano player pronunciation, David? David Torkinowski. Torkinowski. He's also a total like New Orleans legendary piano player and used to play in the Asheville Project and has played with James Black and you know, Alvin Tyler and everybody. So Nice. And you mentioned Simon Lott on drums and... Uh, your partner in Hildegard is Cliff Hines. Yes. Is that right? On guitar? Yes. Then you got a New York cat in here on synthesizer? Yes. Jason Linder plays synthesizer on some of the tracks. Mm -hmm. And then Steve Mazakowski is your... Is, father. That's your father. Okay, yeah, I, was, um, I, had to, I had a reference there. You did mention a brother, did you not? Yeah. Yes. Martin Mazakowski. Martin Mazakowski on bass. Right, okay. Peter... Peter Varnado is on drums also, on I think half of the tracks. And Colin Myers on trombone mm -hmm. and on sax. Ron Amari Ansari. See how I'm doing this and just throwing all the ones that I can't pronounce to you? <laughs> yeah. And, and then it sounds like we're collaborating. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is very exciting. Sasha, thank you so much. Uh, Folks can find uh, Art Market on ropeadope.com. And uh, we look forward to hopefully having you come up and visit us at the Ropeadope Room sometime. Definitely. And thank you for making beautiful music. Thanks, Louis. Thank you so much for supporting it. You got it. Okay. Talk to you soon. Well, that's our show for the week. Thanks for listening to The Station Tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21 Soul. And you can also find us on Stitcher, Apple, and Spotify. Our 21 Soul video series features in-person interviews, music discussion, and live performances. And you can find that on YouTube at Ropeadope99. Big thanks to our producer, Nick Perry. Our general manager is Fran DeRubo. The Station Tapes theme song is from Red Hook Soul by Michael Blake. And big thanks to all the people who keep the flame burning, to all the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and thanks to those of you who are taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy the show. <laughs>